WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports, Lou Dobbs, Business. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Good morning. It is Tuesday, June 20th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Cloudy day on the way. High 75 tonight overnight. Those clouds they hang around low 61 and then tomorrow yeah more clouds high 74 if you're walking out the door with us right now 59 and cloudy in pound ridge up in westchester county 64 and clear in manawapan and down in new jersey and it's 63 and clear here in midtown so much to get to as we work our way up six o'clock hour sit and friends in the morning as i sat here in the newsroom yesterday about one o'clock in the afternoon my phone goes off it's a face time call from my youngest i uh open it thinking something's wrong and sure enough the camera uh, of the facetime is trained on the wall of the second floor of my house on a bug that's on the wall all three home the wife the two kids freaking out that this huge bug is crawling up the side of the wall they don't know what to do and i'm like it's a bug so uh then they take the uh, phone and they show me the bug, and then they show me a line of about 20 shoes that they've lined up that they're now going to take aim at this poor bug to try to get it off the wall. But they say before they do that, maybe, just maybe, I can leave work a little early to come and get this bug because they're all afraid to walk down the stairs past this bug. Now, it looked like maybe it was a cockroach. I couldn't really tell from the FaceTime call. It was sizable. I mean, it was a decent-sized bug. So, uh, uh, they decided not to throw the shoes at it. They waited till I got home. I didn't leave early, but I got home and the bug was in the exact same place that they had shown me on this FaceTime call. And as I've gotten older, maybe I've just become more of a gentler soul. A younger me would have taken a shoe and heaved it at this thing and killed it. But, uh, instead I just, you know, got up on this mini ladder we had in the house and I took a little tissue and I grabbed the bug and everybody around me screaming like they've never seen a bug before. And they said, okay, throw it in the toilet. And I said, no, like, no, I'm not going to do that. So they're like, you're going to let it go. And I'm like, yeah, I always do that. So I <laughs> walked outside to the garden, you know, in our backyard and I let the bug go because, you know, it's part of nature. Why should I kill it? It got in the house. It doesn't mean I should destroy it. Uh, boy, I got hell from everybody that I was uh, doing something incredibly wrong. But again, that gentle part of me has somehow come out where I just because the bugs in the house doesn't mean I have to murder it. So I did. I put it back in nature and who knows, maybe it's back in the house as we speak. All right, let's get into the headlines. The top five at five. The search continues for a missing submarine. Dog owners say they know the guy who knifed a pooch to death. Former President Trump doubles down on the 2020 race. One of the women slashed in the subway speaks out. And Mayor Adams says he takes his orders from God. All right, let's jump into it at 5.03. A submersible with five people on board 
has been missing now more than 24 hours on a tour of the wreckage of the Titanic off the coast of Newfoundland and Canada. The Coast Guard says this 21-foot-long submersible went underwater Sunday morning, lost contact about an hour and 45 minutes later, which, of course, is not great news. The Coast Guard was notified Sunday afternoon that the vessel belonging to this deep-sea exploring company known as Ocean Gate was overdue, and crews immediately launched what was a search and rescue operation. Coast Guard, of course, racing against time to find this vessel used to explore the Titanic. We're working very closely at this point uh, to make sure that we're doing everything that we can do Uh, to locate uh, the submersible and rescue uh, those on board. This is a not a big full. Don't think full size submarine. Think like half the size, maybe even smaller. It's kind of cool to look at. Not right now, I imagine, for the people involved. The vessel designed to have ninety six hours of oxygen. The search taking place in it's our sort of remote waters, about thirteen thousand feet deep. The Coast Guard using resources both in the air, uh, hoping somehow they'll spot it from there in the water in an area about nine hundred miles east of Cape Cod. Among those on board include British billionaire famed explorer Hamish Harding. He's aboard this thing. The location of the search is approximately 900 miles uh, east of Cape Cod uh, in a water depth of uh, roughly 13,000 feet. So we saw it last night. They had the planes in the air. The Coast Guard in the water, trying to figure out where this is. Uh, they had searches by a C-30 aircraft. They completed a mission uh, overnight. They said they would continue through the night. We didn't get a whole lot of an update this morning from them. The uh, Polar Prince and the Rescue 106, that's what we're being told, it continued to do these surface searches uh, throughout the overnight. The Guard and the uh, Canadian uh, U.S. aircraft, or in the, uh, rather, I should say, air, U.S. aircraft and Canadian aircraft have been uh, searching the ocean surface overnight as well as they continue to search for the submersible that we've been told has 72 hours of oxygen. I imagine maybe that's down to 48 hours now since the submersible went in Sunday morning. Again, they lost contact after an hour and 45 minutes, which doesn't sound good at all. The vessel uh, was designed with a 96-hour sustainment uh, capability if there was an emergency on board. Yes, so of course what makes this incredibly eerie and sad too was they were looking at the wreckage, or they wanted to, the wreckage of the Titanic, which was April 14th, 1912, of course, the Titanic colliding with an iceberg in the North Atlantic on its maiden voyage from Southampton, England, to here, to New York City. Uh, it was 2.20 in the morning. We know this whole story. The ship sank. Uh, 1,500 people died on the t- Titanic. Uh, of the roughly 2,200 people on board, about 760 survived. But we've been fascinated for years with this Titanic wreckage. Uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed that hopefully they'll find this submersible. And, of course, we'll follow this story all day long. WABC News Time 509. This is all anybody wanted to talk to me about yesterday was this creepy, uh, awful dog owner 
in Central Park who slashed another dog to death. This took place over the weekend in Central Park. Dog owners horrified. They say they're on alert after this dog was stabbed and killed in Central Park following an argument between two dog owners. It's disgusting. It's awful. It's horrible. Like, why would you stab a dog? Yeah. Uh, the baffling incident occurred in the area of 106th Street, 5th Avenue, a spot that's really popular with dog walkers. A man named Brian, he didn't want to give it out his last name, says he and his wife were walking their 13-year-old German Shepherd Pitbull mix named Eli and their other dog, Sadie, both on leashes in the area around 8.30 Saturday night when they walked by this man with three pit bulls. At least two of them were unleashed. And here Brian describes what took place in Central Park. One of his dogs tried to bite my little one, and he tried to tell me that it's okay. And... I tried to talk sense into him. I kicked one of the dogs off my dog at one point, but then he took out a knife and started carving, and my dog growled, and he he, 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 he stuck him. You know, he stuck him, and, and, you know, I was helpless at that that time. There's uh, lots of pictures of this awful human being. Brian says uh, he took a photo of the man as he walked away. The couple then took their dog, rushed their dog, the veterinarian. Eli, unfortunately, had to be put down. Several dog owners in the area say, of course, it's just going to be a whole lot more cautious. They say they know this guy. They've seen this guy who's walked around without the pit bulls on leashes before, and they knew he was bad news. It's just a matter of time until cops catch up with him. We've known Eli for nine years and Sadie. Uh, they were good friends with my dog, Biscuit. We just had a daughter, and you know we walk our dog a couple times here a week, so it's pretty scary to hear that. They need more police presence over here, to be honest. You don't really see them up here too much, the cops. Yeah, but of course, the question is, who stabs a dog? Ugh, God, no arrest have been made yet. Of course, an investigation ongoing. They have lots of video pictures of this creep. They'll catch up with them soon. 511, former President Trump still believes he won the 2020 election. He was on Fox News for an interview with Brett Baer last night. Trump says he's never been uh, been a full investigation of the ballots. And if there were, he says, uh, he would have won the 2020 race. Wisconsin has practically admitted it was rigged. Other states are doing the same right now. It was pointed out to him by Brett Baer that several lawsuits trying to overturn the election were tossed, but uh, he remains resolute. He added that he doesn't mean to be controversial, but he says uh, the mainstream media says, as he says, are is ignoring what took place in the race in 2020. They were counting ballots, not the authenticity of the ballot. The ballots were fake ballots. And then, of course, last night he was talking about the classified documents that have gotten him to so much trouble. He says the National Archives needed to ask one simple thing in order to get back those classified documents from him. Please, 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 could we have it back? Yeah, so uh, this is all part of this interview last night uh, on Fox News with Brett there. Because I had boxes. I want to go through the boxes and get all my personal things out. I don't want to hand that over to Nara yet. Yeah, he says it wasn't as easy as it would seem to hand those boxes over as they were asked to be handed over. Before I send boxes over, I have to take all of my things out. These boxes were interspersed with all sorts of things. Lots of people, of course, uh, disagree with them. One of them is his former defense secretary, Mark Esper, using three words to describe former President Trump's possession of those classified documents. Clearly it was unauthorized, illegal and, and dangerous. Yeah, so he uh, was on CNN yesterday, Esper was. He said that Trump kept the documents because he's a hoarder or for possible financial or power benefits. He says uh, both are not good news. It's just irresponsible action that places uh, our service members at risk, places our nation's security at risk. 
he's still, of course, Donald Trump, number one in the polls of all the members of the Republican Party that are running for the White House. And that list is awfully long. One of them, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, bringing his presidential campaign to the West Coast yesterday. Uh, he's talking about uh, what he's done in Florida, and he says he could do this for the rest of the nation. And he was also talking about what he called the insanity of Joe Biden's America. And we can't let our country descend into some type of dumpster fire of woke ideology. And that's not going to happen on my watch. The GOP presidential candidate also raising some dollars while he was out in California. Private fundraising breakfast event in Sacramento Monday. Insanity is reigning supreme. Common sense has become an uncommon virtue. Truth is obscured. And then you had Miami's mayor, Francis Suarez, jumping into the race last week. He says he knows lots of people don't have much belief that he can win the GOP nomination. And he says he kind of likes that. If I wasn't someone who was a serious candidate, if I didn't have a real chance uh, at changing the conversation and creating the momentum necessary to lead this country, they wouldn't be talking about me. Yeah, he says uh, lots of other candidates in the race have been doubted, and he says uh, he kind of likes being the underdog. In 2016, Trump lost Miami-Dade County to Hillary Clinton by 30 points. Suarez says he plans to prove his worth at the first Republican debate. That's going to be on August 23rd. That's going to be our focus, getting the 40,000 contributions, 200 from 20 states, and and getting uh, uh, enough in the polling to make that stage. Now, Suarez has had some problems in the past. He addressed what was an FBI investigation into bribery allegations. Here's what he says. It was to raise capital for the company, which has nothing to do with my duties as mayor. Our liberal newspaper starts uh, a very calculated uh, hit job on me and smear uh, campaign, uh, which has tried to deviate the conversation. Uh, President Trump, or rather, uh, President Biden was out on the campaign trail this week as well. We'll get into that in a moment. But first, 515, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Good morning, Justin Ellick. Good morning, Noam Layden on the Diamond in Houston. That's where we will begin. The Mets came back to life in a big way against the Astros, besting them 11-1 in the opener of a three-game series. Max Scherzer reverted back to his vintage dominant self with a brilliant performance on the mound for New York. Shoving eight innings of one-run ball on just four hits. The righty was wildly efficient as well, throwing just 91 pitches over the course of those eight frames, 59 of which were strikes. Scoreless through two frames, it was Daniel Vogelbach and Francisco Lindor who helped the Mets to a five-run third inning to virtually put things away. Daniel Vogelbach, two for seven with a home run in the series against the Cardinals, and he skies one down the right field line, right toward the pole, and that ball is out of here. Daniel Vogelback with a skyscraping home run on the first pitch he sees. He hits it out of the ballpark for his fourth home run of the year to give the Mets the early lead. And this one's in the air to deep right field. Back goes Tucker, back to the warning track at the wall, and it's out of here! Francisco Lindor with a three-run homer. And the Mets have put up a five-spot against Hunter Brown in the third inning. It's 5 to nothing, New York. Those calls courtesy of SNY. Justin Verlander will get his first crack against the Astros as a visiting ball player set to make his first start against his former team in the middle game of the series tonight at 8, 10 p.m. He'll be going up against Houston's Framber Valdez. As for the Yankees, they were off yesterday but are ready to get a three-game set against the Seattle Mariners underway at 7.05 p.m. tonight at the stadium. The ace in Cole will take the hill against Seattle's George Kirby. That's it for today, No, Just your baseball and sports on 77. 
WABC. WABC News Time 518. The Biden administration rolling out $600 million in investments to help coastal communities fight climate change. President in California yesterday. We're investing in the people on places that have been hit the hardest, but who are also on the front lines of leading us forward. President Biden making the announcement yesterday after touring a nature preserve in Palo Alto. Protecting homes, property, and infrastructure against flooding. They also absorb carbon dioxide from the air, and we're right next to Route 101, and where cars and trucks emit a lot of carbon pollution. Secretary of State Antony Blinken finishing up a trip in China. He says the U.S. and China agreeing to try and stabilize their relationship to avoid veering into conflict. Both the United States and China have an obligation to manage this relationship responsibly. Doing so serves the best interests of the United States, of China, indeed, of the world. Blinken uh, speaking following a meeting with uh, Chinese President Xi Jinping in Beijing. Blinken says he expects for further visits to China by senior U.S. officials in the coming weeks. Did not talk about a presidential visit, though. Direct engagement and sustained communication at senior levels is the best way and ensure that competition does not veer into conflict. 520, let's go down to Texas. Texas Governor Greg Abbott catching some heat, continues to catch heat, I should say, for busing uh, migrants to Los Angeles, along with a handful of other so-called sanctuary cities like New York. But border leaders say the people who are catching a ride are eager to go to these places. We don't just pile people into a bus, lie to them. You know, we were very clear with them that we're going to be helping them travel to another place. David Stout is a county commissioner in El Paso. That's who you just heard. He says the migrants who are taking advantage are, for the most part, thankful for the help and thankful being shipped to places like, yeah, New York City. They're very gracious. They're very thankful. A lot of times, you know, they get here and there's many things that they don't understand. Yeah, and of course, they're just overwhelmed that the Texas border continued to be so uh, especially places like El Paso. So they're thankful, too, that they can roll buses to places again, like Port Authority, New York City. We don't want them to fall into the hands of traffickers. We, you know, we try to educate them about staying away from that type of character. Big week for uh, SpaceX. Uh, They had a successful shot of their rocket yesterday, launched from uh, Cape Canaveral Space Force Station in Florida. Ignition and lift off. Go Falcon, go PSL. The uh, Falcon 9 rocket carrying a communication satellite for the Indonesian government. The launch comes as part of a push by Indonesia to provide greater broadband access uh, across that nation. 521 out to Phoenix. The Phoenix Mercury and Brittany Griner will now be allowed to take charter flights for the rest of the WNBA season. Jim Forbes explains why. That's according to ESPN, which reported the decision came after Griner and her teammates were harassed last week at Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport while waiting on a flight to Indianapolis. Appearing on ESPN's Outside the Lines on Friday, WNBA Commissioner Kathy Engelbert confirmed Adjustments had been made related to travel and security for Griner. The six-time All-WNBA player spent 10 months in a Russian prison in 2022 on drug-related charges before being released in a prisoner exchange last December. I'm Jim Forbes. Let's bring it back home. A 16-year-old dead after being shot in the head, Bedsty, Brooklyn, yesterday. It happened while the teen was standing across the street from where he lived, Marcus Garvey Boulevard, about 6 o'clock. It was pretty loud. 
successive and starting. It was just like, boom, something happened. I knew something happened. He's one of the guys that let him be out here, you know, being regular, being with a young kid, too, regular. A family friend says uh, their family is just incredibly heartbroken. The 16-year-old described as kind and respectful, not clear if he was the target of these gunmen who shot him. He's his mother, baby, only son. Last time I was with him, we went to the movies. That's my last memory of him. I wish I knew who shot him. I wish I knew. It's like all these young kids are getting shot. It, it needs to stop. It really does. Unfortunately, it's that time of year when it starts to get hot outside. The gunfire uh, amps up. Detectives working into uh, the overnight to try to figure out who shot him. They have not made any arrests. Police looking into whether the 16-year-old was the intended target. The motive of the shooting unknown at this point. A man uh, charged in the death of a 32-year-old who was found with stab wounds in the Union Square subway station over the weekend. We told you about this story. Over the weekend, uh, a train pulled into Union Square and some strap hangers went to police and said there's a guy slumped over. They came down to the subway train. They found this 32-year-old, rushed him to the hospital where he passed away. Well, now they have a better idea of what happened. They took 33-year-old Claude White into custody yesterday. He's homeless, picked up after jumping a turnstile. He's been charged with murder, criminal possession of a weapon, saying uh, nothing as he was escorted out of the 13th Precinct Station House last night. And uh, police believe White is responsible for those stab wounds that claim the life of 32-year-old Tavon Silver early Saturday morning. They don't uh, didn't give us all the details of what took place, but they say they're pretty sure this is the guy. That taking place, as we also told you yesterday, about three separate stabbings on the subway. All three were women. All three, they think, are connected. All three women were stabbed in the leg, two Upper East Side, one in Brooklyn. All three were on a four train. One of the women is speaking out. Her name was Shelley. She was leaving the train at 86th Street when she says, from out of nowhere, this guy came up to her, said nothing, and then stabbed her in the leg. I started going up the steps, and then I felt something in the back of my leg. So, like, I... I, like, hold on to it, and then I saw there was blood. So I turned around, and I saw him, and, like, he just stared at me, and I was crying. I started crying, Yeah, uh, and he just walked away. Yeah, just awful. Police believe the same man also slashed a 48-year-old woman at that station at 86 in Lex, then rode the train down to the Brooklyn Bridge station where he slashed a 26-year-old also in the leg. None of the women knew each other, and the attacker said nothing. More from Shelley, one of the victims. Be safe. Be aware of your surroundings. Because this could happen to anybody. Yeah, subway crime is down 13% last month, but that's not a lot of consolation to the riders who are witnessing some of these violent crimes, who are victims of some of these violent crimes. Uh, some of them speaking out, saying, you know, they just want to see more cops down below and feel like their ride is going to be safe and they're not going to be slashed by some random person who says nothing to them and then comes up and stabs them. Constantly watching my back. It's always a lot, especially a lot of homeless out here. I'm very uneasy about this. You know, people know me in the neighborhood, but there's there's too much shenanigans going on. It makes me want to think to move out of, of this area. 
Yes. Yeah, so the good news here is with all three of these women who were stabbed in the leg, they're going to be fine, though. We saw Bianchelli was still in the hospital yesterday recovering from her wounds. More from people on the subway who say they're tired of this nonsense. All the pushing, the shoving, just the crime in general. You just have to watch your back because the crazies are everywhere. And we were all on a crowded bus and we were like trying to figure out how we're going to get off the bus. And it's like, you got to have a game plan because if you walk around the crazy man in the back, he's going to crush you out or hit you. If you walk on the front, the crazy lady's going bananas in the front. Yeah, uh, it seems there's a lot of that craziness going on. We are just getting started on this early Tuesday morning. So much more to get to as we work our way up to the 6 o'clock hour. Sid and friends in the morning. Mayor Adams raising some eyebrows over the last 24 hours. He gave a speech inside a church that was not seen by many, but now we are seeing it. And he talks about how God spoke to him, and that's why he's mayor. We'll hear some of what he had to say before the morning is out. There's been another moment at the Stonewall National Monument attacked for the fourth time in the last two weeks. Uh, No word who's behind that. We'll get into that story. And we'll hear from the mother of a six-year-old boy who was critically injured when a moped slammed into her child while he was walking around in East Harlem Park. That creep's still on the loose. We'll get into those stories and more, but first this at 529. The 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. On 77 WABC. June is National Men's Health Month. Encourage the men in your life, including you, to take care of their bodies by eating right, exercising, and working to prevent disease. Raising the awareness of preventable health problems and encourage early detection and treatment of diseases including cancer, heart disease, and depression. So tweak your diet, set some goals, and get educated. 77 WABC cares. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talking the news with Noah. On 77 WABC. This is the 77 WABC News Hour with Noah Layden. Yep, that's me, 532. Good morning. It is Tuesday, June 20th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Cloudy day on the way, high 75. Tonight and overnight, the clouds hang around, low 61. And then Wednesday, mostly cloudy, high 74. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 59 and cloudy up in Pound Ridge and Westchester County. 64 and clear in Manawapan in New Jersey. And it is 63 and cloudy here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up. Six o'clock hour. We'll start with Mayor Adams revealing over the weekend that God had visited him several times to help him plan for his role as mayor. He was speaking at a Father's Day Mass at the Lenox Road Baptist Church on Nostrand Avenue in Brooklyn on Sunday when he talked about the moment God spoke to him. Here's what he had to say. 30-something years ago, I woke up out of my sleep in a cold sweat. God spoke to my heart and said, you are going to be the mayor January 1st, 2022. And the message was... God stated, you cannot be silent. You must tell everyone you know. Because it's a Judges 7, verse 2 through 7 moment. Because when you win the battle, I don't want you to think 
that you won on your own. And I don't want people to think that you won because of you who you are. Yeah, Adams making waves earlier this year when he decried the separation of church and state, then defended his comments, explaining it's tough for him to split his faith from his government job. But more about this God moment from the mayor as he spoke at this Father's Day mass at the Lenox Road Baptist Church in Brooklyn over the weekend. I meet my mayors across the globe and across the city, and they say, Eric, your job of mayor of the most important city on the globe is the second most difficult. And my reply is, when does the hard part start? Yeah, and then uh, finally he was talking about a second term, and he's suggesting that he won't get that second term thanks to racism. Again, part of the same Father's Day Mass at the Lenox Road Baptist Church, Nostrand Avenue in Brooklyn on Sunday. You must understand, no matter much there's an attempt to invalidate the success we're making as a city. It's a coordinated effort that people say it took 30 years before we had a mayor of color after David Dinkins. We cannot allow this mayor to do two terms. And we must understand that. All part of comments have raising some eyebrows over the last 24 hours. 535, members of the State Assembly, New York State Assembly, going to be back at the State Capitol in Albany today. Special session. Lawmakers going to be voting on bills that they did not get to decide the fate of before this year's legislative session ended earlier this month. Among the measures they're expected to take up include proposal to establish a statewide regulation of short-term rentals and a bill that provide early parole for some incarceration incarcerated individuals that are 55 and older. The Senate, by the way, not expected to return until January. Down to the West Village. It's happened again. Another attack at the Stonewall National Monument. It's the fourth one in just a matter of weeks. Pride flags ripped down, vandalized for the fourth time. Uh, They were snapped off the fence at the monument. Sometime Monday afternoon, between 1230 in the afternoon and 2 p.m., there are cameras everywhere that would catch this kind of thing. It's nasty. It's not nice. Everybody gets to live what the life they want to live. They can live whatever they want to do, they can do. This must have just happened over the past few hours. Yeah, yeah. no, it's not okay. The damage uh, discovered as a news crew was actually at the monument reporting on the third incident of vandalism that had taken place Sunday morning and sometime during that time. Uh, 33 flags had been uh, taken down overnight. More flags were ripped down in that two-hour period Monday. What can I credit to? I mean, unfortunately, we're becoming a much more divisive, the divisive political, you know, environment that we're all living in. Everyone seems to choose up a side, and they just can't leave well enough alone. I mean, this park has existed for a very long time, and again, it is a national monument, and yet people feel free to come over here and desecrate it. Yeah, so they do have really good pictures of the people who attacked and ripped down flags at the monument on Sunday. The NYPD has installed a security camera in the area due to the repeated incidents of vandalism targeting this monument, but so far has not released any of the images from uh, this fourth incident that took place yesterday. WABC News Time 539. Let's go up to Harlem. The mother of a six-year-old boy critically injured by a moped at an East Harlem Park on 
Sunday evening, wants to make sure the creep that hit her son and then drove away is caught soon. Henry Diaz's mother says her son remains in critical condition, even though she was given a sign of hope yesterday when his eyes fluttered a bit. She's hoping this all ends well. I'm trying to be strong because, like I say, I hop out of the baby and I'm breastfeeding him, so I got to stay calm. Henry's mother says they were playing in Thomas Jefferson Park on Sunday when they heard a noise from behind and Henry's dad tried to grab him, but he was run over by this uh, moped rider who probably shouldn't have been in the park in the first place. But then this creep then hit him and took off. Henry's mom said that the moped rider stood around, sort of stunned for a couple seconds, but then raced off. And then sirens rang as people came in to race in to help uh, little Henry. He should have said something like he should have said sorry at that moment. He should have asked how my son was doing or but he didn't do anything. He was just still there looking around yeah it's always better to stay at the scene chances are you're not going to get charged it sounds like it was just a god-awful accident but the minute you race away from a scene it becomes a much bigger crime and as that was taking place uh, an mta bus colliding with two men on scooters yesterday in mott haven the two people colliding with a bx41 mta bus third avenue and east 149th street there was a bunch of eyewitnesses who saw this crash i guess they hit the bus together or whatever one motor one of the motorcycles like half of it was like kind of bad or whatever so he like i guess his leg got hurt but he was okay and the other one like fully hit like the bus it didn't look too good. Yeah, these mopeds seem to be becoming more and more of a problem. One of the people treated at the scene for minor injuries, the other in critical condition at Lincoln Hospital. No arrests have been made. Not clear if anybody will be charged or who was at fault in this crash. 541 out to New Jersey. New Jersey Senator Cory Booker wants to create a commission to study the possibility of reparations for African-Americans across the nation. The senator speaking at the New Jersey Institute for Social justice during their Juneteenth ceremony yesterday. Let us make restitution. Let us repair the damage that was done. Booker says the commission would study the impact of slavery and the discrimination African Americans are facing today. Then on a day of jubilee, a day of freedom, a day to celebrate our ancestors, I want to celebrate the New Jersey Institute of Social Justice. Yeah, so he says he's going to push to create this commission as soon as possible. Why are people resisting the efforts to focus and measure that specific harm and for this nation to make restitution or to bring about justice? 542 pop star, Staten Island native, B.B. Rexa, healing after being hit in the face with a cell phone during her concert Sunday night here in the city. Rexa posting a video to Instagram showing her black eye and the stitches she received on her eyebrow. Some creep in the audience actually threw his cell phone and hit her in the head. Oh, well, here she is. I'm good, yeah, I'm feeling all right. Yeah, singing some lyrics there. Uh, 27-year-old Nicholas Malvanya of Manawapan, New Jersey, arrested, charged with assault. He says he did this on purpose. That was the first words 
he told police. Then he told police that it was some sort of TikTok thing where fans throw their cell phones on stage. And then the artist takes a selfie and throws the cell phone back to the audience member. But the video, when you watch this, the cell phone comes flying out of the audience. You can imagine how much this must have hurt. And it hits her smack in the head. Uh, so here is Nicholas Mulvania's uh, lawyer who was speaking out yesterday after he appeared before a judge. I think this is a common, unfortunate trend that's going on that yeah. a lot of concert goers do. Uh, I don't think he had any intention whatsoever to hurt the singer. Not sure. A lot of people are going to buy that. Meantime, 33-year-old Rex is expected uh, to perform with the stitches and all in uh, Black High in Philadelphia tonight. One of the uh, building blocks of life has been discovered 700 million miles away on Saturn's moon. This is really interesting. Scientists from the Southwest Research Institute calling this a major step forward in a search for extraterrestrial beings, well, in outer space. We're starting to find places in the solar system where liquid water has been found, and we're wondering, could these environments be habitable and support life? That's Chris Glein. He says the team found phosphorus in ice samples taken from the moon's ocean. The chemical element, of course, is essential for creation of DNA. He says the next step is going back to that moon to see if the habitable ocean is actually inhabited. It has the conditions of the right stuff so it has liquid water available it has energy that life could use yeah so glenn uh chris glenn says the moon's oceans are shaping up to be perfect breeding grounds for life so they want to investigate this a whole lot more like if you were to pop a microbe from earth put it into enceladus's ocean that would probably be a great place for it to live yeah uh, and of course we've been doing a lot of talk about uh ufos and People from outer space. We had that story out of Las Vegas. A couple stories out of Las Vegas. This awfully interesting from the people who've been following all this 700 million miles away on Saturn's moon. 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. And here's Justin Ellis. Thank you, Noam Layden. Start with your Mets on the diamond in Houston. They came back to life in a big way against the Astros. Passing them 11-1 in the opener of a three-game series. Max Scherzer reverted back to his vintage dominant self with a brilliant performance on the mound for New York, shoving eight innings of one-run ball on just four hits. The righty was wildly efficient as well, throwing just 91 pitches over the course of those eight frames, 59 of which... Worst strikes, scoreless through two frames. It was Daniel Vogelbach and Francisco Lindor who helped the Mets through five-run third inning to virtually put things away early on. Daniel Vogelbach, two for seven with a home run in the series against the Cardinals, and he skies one down the right field line, right toward the pole, and that ball is out of here. Daniel Vogelbach with a skyscraping home run on the first pitch he sees. He hits it out of the ballpark for his fourth home run of the year to give the Mets the early lead. And this one's in the air to deep right field. Back goes Tucker. Back to the warning track at the wall. And it's out of here. Francisco Lindor with a three-run homer. And the Mets have put up a five-spot against Hunter Brown in the third inning. It's 5 to nothing, New York. Those calls courtesy of SNY. Justin Verlander will get his first crack against the Astros as a visiting ball player set to make his first start against his former team in the middle game of the series tonight at 8, 10 p.m. He'll be going up against Houston's Framber Valdez. As for the Yankees, they're off yesterday, but are ready to get a three-game set against the Seattle Mariners underway tonight at 7.05 p.m. at the stadium. Jason Garrett Cole will take the hill against Seattle's George Kirby. Your sports on 77 WABC. No.
I'm Justin Ellis. Let's catch you up on some of the biggest stories of the morning. Nothing bigger than this in terms of what people are talking about today. This submersible with five people aboard that went missing while on a tour of the wreckage of the Titanic off the coast of Newfoundland, Canada. The Coast Guard says this 20-foot-long submersible went underwater Sunday morning. They lost contact about an hour and 45 minutes later, which, of course, was not good news already. The Coast Guard was notified Sunday afternoon that the vessel belonging to the deep sea exploring company Ocean Gate was overdue and crews immediately launched the search and rescue operation that went through overnight last night into this morning. The Coast Guard racing against time to find this missing vessel that's used to explore the Titanic. We're working very closely at this point uh, to make sure that we're doing everything that we can do uh, to locate uh, the submersible and rescue uh, those on board. So the vessel designed to have 96 hours of oxygen. I assume that's starting on Sunday. The search taking place in remote waters about 13,000 feet deep. Coast Guard using search resources both in the air, in the water, in an area about 900 miles east of Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Among those on board include British billionaire famed explorer Hamish Harding. The location of the search is approximately 900 miles uh, east of Cape Cod uh, in a water depth of uh, roughly 13,000 feet. So the Coast Guard told us early this morning that late last night, two searches by C-130 aircraft had been completed and that the mission would continue through this morning. Uh, they also have the Canadians, of course, involved in this as well. They're looking uh, down below, above as well as they know that there was uh, 70 hours, what was 96 hours initially of air. Now, it, who knows what it's down to Sunday it went underwater. Again, they lost contact an hour and 45 minutes after going into the water. Uh, so, uh, of course, everybody keeping their fingers crossed that this ends well. They think this submersible, if everybody on board is still okay, they're probably likely in the dark, just hoping for the best. The vessel uh, was designed with a 96-hour uh, sustainment uh, capability if there was an emergency on board. Yes. Yeah, so uh, it seems there has been an emergency on board. Uh, of course, they were going to look at the Titanic. That fascinates us all still to this day. Well, it was uh, April 14th, 1912. The Titanic collided with that iceberg North Atlantic maiden voyage. It was coming from Southampton, England. It was going to come here to the city. It was on April 15th, about 2.20 in the morning that the ship sank. 1,500 people died on the Titanic of roughly 2,200 people on board, only 706 survived we've been completely fascinated with this ever since it has taken place movies books everything about it and now this submersible boy how eerie would it be that the submersible and these people aboard it would die at the same site where so many died back in 1912 of course we'll keep our fingers crossed it does not end that way 552 uh, another big story that has been trending for sure for us at wabcradio.com dog lovers everywhere horrified 
by the story of a guy who went into Central Park over the weekend with three pit bulls unleashed. One of the pit bulls grabbed onto another dog. Uh, the owner tried to take his dog away, and that's when this creep, the one who owned the pit bulls, took out a knife and slashed the dog to death. It's disgusting. It's awful. It's horrible. Like, why would you stab a dog? Yeah, this baffling incident occurred around 106th Street and 5th Avenue, a spot that's really popular with dog walkers. We're now hearing from the person who owned the dog, Eli, who was slashed to death. His name is Brian. He and his wife say they were walking this 13-year-old German Shepherd pit bull mix named Eli and their other dog, Sadie, both on leashes about 8.30 at night when they came upon this creep with the three pit bulls. Here's how he describes what took place. One of his dogs tried to bite my little one, and he tried to tell me that it's okay. And... I tried to talk sense into him. I kicked one of the dogs off my dog at one point, but then he took out a knife and started carving, and my dog growled, and he he, 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 he stuck him. You know, he stuck him, and, and, you know, I was helpless at that that time. So Brian says he took a photo of the man as he walked away. He chased after him, actually. The couple then rushed this dog to the veterinarian where Eli had to be put down. The injury's too severe. Several dog owners in the area say they'll now, of course, be even more cautious when walking their dogs. A lot of people said, hey, we know this guy who walks his pit bulls. He, they say he's not a nice guy. They say anytime they saw him coming, they would walk in the opposite direction, worried that this guy was walking around Central Park, of all places, where there's so many people out, with dogs not on leashes. Forget the fact that they're pit bulls, any kind of dogs. You don't know how they're going to act. They're animals. Uh, so uh, everybody hoping they catch up with this guy. There's lots of pictures of him. It's only a matter of time. We've known Eli for nine years and Sadie. Uh, they were good friends with my dog, Biscuit. We just had a daughter, and, you know, we walk our dog a couple times here a week, so it's pretty scary to hear that. They need more police presence over here, to be honest. You don't really see them up here too much the cops no arrests have been made yet of course an investigation ongoing but just a matter of time now they have pictures clear pictures of this guy they catch up with them and former president trump on with brett bear last night fox news talking about the 2020 race wisconsin has practically admitted it was rigged other states are doing the same right now he says the media failed him did not do enough of investigation of the 2020 race which he says he won they were counting ballots not the authenticity of the ballot the ballots were fake ballots. Also talking about his classified documents case says uh, the National Archives needed to ask him one simple thing in order to get those classified documents back. Please, 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 could we have it back? And here he explains why he did not give them back sooner. Because I had boxes. I want to go through the boxes and get all my personal things out. I don't want to hand that over to Nara yet. Before I send boxes over, I have to take all of my things out. These boxes were interspersed with all sorts of things. All right, 555 Post Office rolling out new trucks to replace a fleet that's been in service since the 1980s. And here's the big deal of this story. For the first time, these mail trucks will have air conditioning. Who knew? I didn't know that uh, mail trucks didn't have air conditioning. All we want to do is, you know, provide our postal workers uh, better working conditions to have a little bit of air conditioning. Congressman Henry Cuellar, who's been behind this to push to get uh, mail trucks with AC. Eight hours a day or longer every day. Uh, it has to be very hard. So I think it's only the right thing to do. It's not only being in a close area without air condition and then walking out in the sun. So this could be dangerous to our, our to our workers. Yeah, so they're going to shuffle these trucks out to areas where it's hot most of the year. And then finally, 
A lost high school class ring has been found and returned to its owner after more than five decades. Jim Keelan graduated from Wachung Hills Regional High in New Jersey back in 1972, and he had a high school class ring. He was wearing it on the beach back in 1972, proudly that day, and somehow it got away from him in the ocean. Now, all these years later, a 21-year-old found the ring and then posted it on Facebook, and you know how that all works. People share. Then it ended up on the Wachong Regional High School Class of 72 Facebook page. And that's where Jim said, wait a minute, that's my ring from all those years ago. So, Jim, that, that's that's got to be you that they're looking for. The ring was, was in decent shape. My thinking is that it got washed off of the beach and further inland into these tidal marshes and uh, Yeah, so it wasn't even that far away from where he lost it, a couple miles away. Not clear where the ring could have been, but uh, it's amazing that he has it back. 51 years later, this is happening. I I just still can't believe it. I'm going to wear it. I mean, this is just phenomenal. I mean, I'll I'll wear it. It's just heartwarming to see this, 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 something like this happen. It's just incredible to me. Good for Jim. And uh, I can't thank him enough.